Hey guys, my name is Sam. Welcome to Stories of From the Birth Suite, where we listen to birth stories told from the partner's point of view. This episode has another Sam, who is a friend of my husband, and he shares a really heartfelt story about how he went in pretty blind, as he describes it, uh, for the birth of his daughter with his wife, Annika. So today I thought I'd ask you a few questions about, and we'd start with Annika's pregnancy, if that's okay. Mm. Um, So had you guys been trying for a while? Was it a surprise? Can you tell me a bit about when you found out Annika was pregnant? Uh, Well, we weren't planning on it. Um, and I was, I think we'd sort of agreed that it was going to happen eventually, but we hadn't scheduled or talked about anything super seriously. And then, um, yeah, she just started feeling a little bit crook and, um, I went to night shift, I remember, and, uh, got, got home that next morning had a sleep and woke up and she'd obviously gone and grabbed a test and woke me up by saying that she was pregnant. So um, I didn't need a coffee that morning. That woke me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And how how long were you processing it for? Uh, I went back to sleep, I think, because um, she told me it pretty early in the morning. It took me about nine months to process it, I think. <laughs> Something like that. And then Elise was born in here, so then there was the next level. And then here we are. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yep. So once you found out that you were going to have a baby, what did you guys have any idea what where you were going to go, or had you talked about like going to the hospital, going private, going all of those options? Uh, We were probably those people that. don't do any research or extra study or anything like that until the situation hits you. So we, I think, well, I reckon we winged a lot of it. Um, but that being said, Annika was probably in the background studying hard and learning and yeah, self-educating. So what I thought was probably just winging it was probably very planned, but <laughs> no, we hadn't had any discussions about um, private or public. We didn't have um, the pregnancy part of private health, mm-hmm. which I didn't know we needed until we found out. Um, so yeah, I think our first stop was just to the GP and tried to get as many questions answers as we could because we both had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, really. First time parents, we're sort of planning, not really planning. You're going to have a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. And there wasn't many of our friends that had kids or had were pregnant or anything like that. I think um, being parents and having a kid was just totally foreign to us and totally new to us. So it was just a really massive learning curve. Yeah. Yeah. So do you remember what the GP said? Oh. If um, no, I think I... <laughs> no, not not really. No, I was... I think... If there was anything in there that 
I was supposed to remember, I didn't remember it. Mm-hmm. It was sort of just, I think I was still grasping it. And then to hear it from a health professional that it was a dead set pregnancy, I think maybe I was just probably too blown away to be listening really. <laughs> <laughs> My brain's just going off in the background thinking about all of the, the planning, I yeah. guess. Yeah. And so then you, I know that you went through Fiona Stanley. Hmm. Um, did you go to many of the appointments? Did they line up with your shifts or did you want to go? Oh, I definitely wanted to go. Um, we were right in the peak of the early stages of COVID. So um, whether right. I wanted to go or not wasn't really up to me. It was um, all dictated by the health advice. So a lot of the scans I wasn't able to go to. I was able to go to this first scan and that was great. Um, but yeah, a lot, they started moving a lot of them to Fremantle. So they were pretty strict. I was just not, I wasn't even allowed in at all. So I just sit in the car park and hang out. Um, but yeah, I think it was really unique for us because we didn't have any opportunities for birthing classes. Um, everything that we were learning, we were learning online, um, and what limited experience we could get from any family and friends. The rest of it was just, I guess, probably Google and YouTube, really. Yeah. Yeah. Did did they give you like an online birth class to do or did you just have to go and find stuff yourself? There wasn't. There, I don't think there was any online birth yeah, classes. Okay. If there was, we didn't know about them. It might have been too early days. Yeah, well, it was, it was um, yeah, pretty scary. Because we just you didn't want to go into the hospital really but that's where all of our appointments were was in Fiona Stanley so you know you were always sort of pretty wary but um, yeah look it was just mostly learning on the fly I think yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how you guys do stuff yeah <laughs> we manage yeah. <laughs> yep. so as it got closer to Annika's due date, guest date, whatever you want to call it, mm. um, how was her pregnancy going? Um, was it pretty smooth sailing? Oh, yeah. Were there other things? I don't think it was. She had a couple of her health issues with GD. Um, yep. And that was probably more frustrating than anything because anyone that's gone through a pregnancy with GD would know that there's basically numbers you've got to meet benchmarks and if you're not meeting them then it almost it almost seemed like it was like well come on you should be doing better you know that's always the way it felt um when you then they'd have to up the insulin and stuff like that and I think it was probably really frustrating for Annika to be um you know, we're, we're doing the best that we could, but, you know, the body decides what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I think that was probably the main real challenge for her. Uh, she might not agree with that, I don't know. But from that's my okay. perspective, that was, um, that seemed to be the biggest hurdle that we were overcoming was, was that. So she had to have insulin injections yeah yeah she did them herself yes yeah yeah so she had to check her bloods every after every meal um when she got up in the morning and when she went to bed 
and just recording them and then we take them to the next uh, con consult and they tell her what basically what the numbers were reflecting and whether that she need to up her insulin or not and yeah that was pretty much our experience with it did you feel like they were kind of explaining things that you could be doing to like was it just the insulin and the blood tests or were there other avenues that they were talking about as well uh it was primarily about diet okay um, the diet dictated the insulin levels and so then they you know if your numbers weren't looking great then they'd start telling you well you should have maybe you should try eating this and it's like, well, that's what we're eating yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> but um yeah i mean it, I think to an extent, a lot of it's probably out of your control. You can yeah. try and moderate it as much as you can with diet, but if it's in your family genetics, then you're probably just doing the best to manage it that you can, and the rest of it's just going to happen. Absolutely. If yeah. it was easy, as easy as diet control, then there wouldn't be insulin, right? No, like, there wouldn't be a problem at all. Exactly. Yeah. It's somebody's, some people's bodies react mm. differently. So how did the GD have an effect on Annika's birth? Uh, or well, her plan for birth? Yeah, so we sort of were under the... Initially, we were under the impression that, oh, great, we're in Fiona Stanley, we'll get that birthing suite that everyone says is awesome and, yeah, you'd really love to be involved in that. Um, but when they'd said, oh, if you've got GD, then you're considered a risk and anything that resembles a risk um, basically means that you're not eligible to go into the birthing the birthing suite I think that's what it's called mm -hmm. um, so I think from then on it was probably more so just a lack of understanding that um, you know even if something was going to go wrong in the birthing suite you always get sent off to Fiona Stanley anyway so I think in our minds it was probably like a oh crap you know we're going to Fiona Stanley for the for the birth not knowing that it was probably exactly where we needed and wanted to be in the end and we were really grateful that we were there um so yeah I, was, I think that was pretty much cool yeah and leading up to the due date mm -hmm. did you have any major worries or fears or was there anything niggling at you personally personally um no not not really we did when we were coming up to the due date we were we were still sort of thinking oh well we've got another four weeks up our sleeve you beauty um just give me more time to get organized and to make sure that everything was um, lined up in terms of my leave and being able to get off work and um, just make things as comfortable as I could for her um, it wasn't I don't think I was really stressed I'm, I don't know I'm one of those people that doesn't really stress about something until it's happened <laughs> I don't want to I've always said I don't want to jump over hurdles that aren't in front of me <laughs> and it wasn't in front of me yet so yeah yeah I just try to focus on other things how um how was it organizing leave yeah they were they were really good um 
I told him a fair while in advance that this was roughly when we were expecting things to happen and if it happens earlier then you know Bali's it's going to be your issue I'm not going to be here um and they were fine with you yeah 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 they um I had a lot of annual leave saved up and obviously during COVID we weren't going anywhere so um I'd made a plan to take two months off so that I got to enjoy the first two months of life for Elise and that was yeah really beneficial I think I was really glad I did that yeah that's a nice long time it was a long time and I'm I know I'm lucky to have had that much time off to to be a part of it all Uh, I know a lot of people don't get that much leave so I was really fortunate and I'm kind of surprised seeing you do shift work that they were happy for you to just start whenever Annika went into labor like sometimes they workplaces seem to make a rule that you need to just pick a day and go on leave regardless Mm -hmm. of whether baby's here or not yeah so that's really cool too yeah no they're they're pretty um pretty understanding and taking leave for you know extraordinary situations they don't ask too many questions they get it excellent yeah so what was it like when annika went into labor hmm um i think that she looking back on it now we probably reckon she might have gone into labor a little bit earlier than we thought Mm -hmm. um, because she was starting to get cramps and a fair bit of discomfort and the first time when we thought that it was it was on um, we went to hospital and they wired her up and did a couple of tests and they said no 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 you're you're right, off you go. So, How many weeks was she, do you remember? No, she was, it, we were two weeks out from the expected date. Okay. Um, two weeks early. So so um, we went home and then I'm pretty sure it was two days later then she said, oh yeah, yeah, it's starting to feel pretty uncomfortable again. So we went back to the hospital and they did some more tests and they said, yeah, it looks like it's pretty early labour. So just go home and, um, yeah, once the contractions start getting a bit closer together and, you know, it's starting to feel quite uh, painful and stuff, then come back and see us, which was really weird. Um, yeah, we went home that night and I tell the story that I cooked her the best scotch fillet steak I've ever made in my life. And I'm pretty sure that's what triggered everything because that night was go time it was cooked with love it was cooked with everything (laughs) (laughs) yeah so yeah so aside from your awesome cooking skills which i can attest to sam is a very good cook uh actually annika is as well both Mm. of you yeah um how did you support annika in in labor before you got back up to the hospital i don't know i don't think i did anything over the top or anything out of the ordinary it was she has a she must have a fairly high pain tolerance on threshold because I just remember we just went home. You know? <laughs> it was just oh well, we'll just go back and ride it out. So she wasn't um I don't recall her being, you know, complaining of serious pain or anything. So yeah, we just 
she's a no fuss kind of girl. Yeah, yep. So at what point did you or Annika decide it was time to go back to the hospital? How did mm. how did you make that call? Um, well, we went to bed about nine thirty, I reckon, and she was saying, "Oh, it's starting to feel pretty sore," and I said, "Okay, well." When you're ready to go, you let me know. If, if if you think it's time to go, we'll go. And I went to sleep. <laughs> and I remember at about midnight or something, she was whacking me to wake me up, saying, we're going to go, we're going to go. And I could tell, I was like, righto, we're on here. And, um, yeah, that's when it all kicked off. We were in the car and... Bags packed and off we went. And uh, probably, I think it was about 10 hours later, it was all over. 10 hours later, yeah? Mm. So you got to hospital. Mm. Can you just keep telling the story? Yep, we got to hospital. um, And obviously midnight, there's not many people around. But went up to the maternity ward and... I remember us sitting there waiting for a bed because there was a couple in there already. And I just remember hearing this chick screaming. And if it didn't freak her out, it sure as hell freaked me out that this is what we're up against. Um, So yeah, I reckon the panic button got hit there. So I think we just sat there waiting and listening to this almost sounded like an exorcism and (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying not to laugh and let you talk (laughs) sorry but that was yeah it's um yeah it was vivid that's a vivid memory and then they finally got us a room and I think at that point the the pain was starting to emerge because Annika was at that point going right somebody get me the epidural but obviously all of the uh, midwives were out tending to people that were much closer and we didn't know how close we were she thought she was pretty close she was in a fair bit of pain Um, but they were basically saying you know it's too far along now you don't you're not ready you're not going to get the epidural tonight we'll give you the gas and so at that point my hand was fairly well crushed um but yeah it was obviously nothing compared to what was going on with her and we sort of i think we waited probably in that room for about three hours maybe maybe a bit less before we were able to get in to the birthing room um so we just had to sit there and listen to the chicks screaming next door for hours and it was horrible. And I think probably looking back on it, we were quite, I guess, frustrated that we didn't have someone there full time, you know, talking us because we didn't know what we were <laughs> going through at that point. We didn't know how far along any of this meant. So we just sort of had to sit there and wait, I guess. Um, which would have been pretty stressful for, for her, for sure. Um, and I didn't want to go out bothering the midwives every 10 minutes asking for help or answers because you could tell they were busy. Yeah, so then we eventually got sent off to the birthing room. 
And so once you got into the birth room, mm. did you then get a midwife? To that yeah, stage? we we had um, the first midwife that um, attended to us was basically there from go to woe. When she came to visit us, it was more often than not her or another one. And um, yeah, they came in as well to the birthing room and they were great. You know, I think um, for those, for her and I, who had never been involved in it at all, I think we went in with preconceptions that you were getting a second, second rate service going through the public system. People pay money to get top tier service with private, but um, it never felt like we were second class while we were in there. We always felt like they were caring and doing their best for us, which was just so reassuring for absolute rookies like we were. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has to start being a rookie in birth at some point. Mm. Absolutely. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were the definition of rookies. 100%. I was, I know that. So as labour progressed for Annika, mm. she then, I'm assuming, needed to push at some point. Did she just keep going with the gas? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had the, we had the gas in that room full time. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, it was getting, from all accounts, very painful. Um, and she was being told for hours on end, you got to keep pushing and trying to change to a more comfortable position. And there was quite a period there where it just didn't seem to be progressing. Um, and then at one point the, I presume it was the doctor came in and he's just done his checks and started asking him questions and he'd said to one of them, well, how long has this been going for? And he said, well, it's too long. And basically he went over and said to her, like, you, this is the point now where you need to start pushing. And I, it would have been pretty frustrating to hear that you're not pushing when you're pushing. <laughs> um, but it was, I think, a... Um, a very blunt message which was if you don't do this now then we're gonna to have to take you into theatre and we're gonna to have to cut this baby out and I think the the shock from that and you know the stern words were probably what she needed to unlock whatever it is that a woman unlocks to be able to push as hard as they do to make that happen so what was it like for you hearing that? Uh, Gut-wrenchingly terrifying. Yeah. That um, all of a sudden the risk was elevated. Um, and I think at that point when he, was, when he came in and said that, it went from a doctor and two midwives to a doctor and an ethetist and six midwives in the room. And I was slowly getting pushed a little bit out of the way. And I was trying to probably stay out of their way to let them just do what they needed to do. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a scary moment, I think. Um, 
Did anyone talk to you or were they always oh, talking no, to Annika? No, they were, they were mostly talking to her. Um, I was just holding the uh, the icy pole, the hydrolyte icy pole. <laughs> so my job was just to keep replenishing her fluids and yeah, getting her, getting her the gas if she needed it and stuff. So um, yeah, I was just the water boy at that point and just trying to talk to her. But, um, mm. And how did it go from that with, what, six, seven, eight people in the room to calm to, well, I'm assuming it calmed at some point, um, and Annika birthing Elise? Um, yeah, I think so. Once, we'd, once that pressure had been put on to start seriously oomphing it, um, then it started to progress pretty quickly. Then you know we could see the head and stuff, and then there was it almost from memory. Of, I think at that point it was like right now you can't stop. You've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to go. And um, yeah, I was sweating bullets by that point. And then um, yeah, one huge push, and then bang, <laughs> baby just flew out and uh, one of the midwives caught her you know like a slips in cricket had to dive for her to catch her and um, yeah then at that point I don't know I just got wrapped up in emotion and I was bawling absolutely bawling yeah you became a dad then mm. Yeah, that was. I think about it now. It still gets me. It was yeah, just the most emotional moment of my entire life. So when I'm assuming everyone then started dispersing, and yeah, obviously everything starts settling down. You know, when we're not at risk stage anymore, and there's a baby. The baby's breathing, and yeah, it's a girl. Did you know before? I had no idea. Yeah. What so, was it like finding out? Oh, we were. Well, she was dead set that it was a, a boy the whole way through. So the list of names that we'd had all the way up to that point had primarily had more boys' names on it than girls' names. Um, so, yeah, when, the, when we found out it was a girl, it was just ugh, unbelievable. I was just a blubbering mess. You know. She held, she, I don't know, she held it together. Like, I can't believe. She was probably exhausted. Oh, I can imagine, yeah. There's <laughs> there probably not a lot left. The drugs and the, the relief <laughs> and the exhaustion and the pain. There's probably so much going on already that how do you have room to cry? Um, so I did it for both of us, believe me. <laughs> yeah. Good on you. Yeah, but then, yep, they did all of their routine from what I understand, they're routine mm-hmm. things and weighing, and then it was straight on to mum, which was important. And um, then after about half an hour of cuddling, it was my turn. How was that? Yeah. More tears, was, or had you? Oh yeah, I was. I was pretty exhausted by that point as well. Um, but yeah, there was definitely still tears. Yeah, I think then it just sort of. I think because it was. There was so much happening in the system at that point that it was like, okay, we want you to have as much time with your with your baby as possible, but we need you out. <laughs> we need you to move on. And 
because golf, of yeah. COVID, right? No, 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 oh. because they had it was it was it was a busy day for babies. <laughs> so they needed the the birthing room. Right. So um yeah, once they'd got everything cleaned up and sorted out then yeah, up they went. So how long did Annika and Elise stay in hospital for? Two must have been the morning of the third day they got out. So um, two nights. Yeah. Yep. What was it like leaving? Uh, it was okay the first night, the yeah. first morning, because it was ten thirty and I hadn't slept since midnight. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I just went home and had a really nice sleep. Um, but I was back there about four o'clock. And hung out until about half seven. Um, so yeah, that was really nice. Obviously, baby was sleeping all the time, but yeah, I just you you're gone even just for a few hours. You just feel like you're missing everything. And I was like messaging her all in between my sleep. Everything's okay, you know. What's going? What have I missed? What's happening? And, um, evidently, I probably hadn't missed very much. At least Annika was probably sleeping as well. But um, yeah, it just felt like you needed to be back there and you needed to spend as much time as you could. Um, but she had to stay for a couple of days just as a routine with um, the GD, I think. And um, uh, at least had low iron levels I think so she was a bit um, yellow oh yeah jaundice jaundice Jaundice, that's what this yeah Um, so they were trying to keep a bit of an eye on that Um, so I'm pretty sure that's why they had to stay for a bit longer yeah two nights is pretty quick still but yeah that's good yeah it probably is again we had no idea there's people leaving before her and people People that hung out after her as well, so yeah, it was you kind of lose little. track of when they all get there, right? Like yeah, first and last, and definitely. Yeah. So then you all got to go home, mm. happy family of three plus two dogs. So yeah, five. yep. What was it like getting home? Uh, it was very exciting. I think we were more excited about the dogs meeting her, and so we'd taken, um, I'd taken some of the cloths and stuff back with me for the first couple of days just to get familiar with the smells but I don't know whether that made any difference you know the dogs were just ballistic over her and licking her and nuzzling her and nosing her and I'm just trying to hold her like defending her from the dogs but still letting them you know make acquaintances and (laughs) yeah so that was that was pretty special um and yeah I think the only thing else the only other thing really memorable about that first 24 hours was the first night because that was horrible <laughs> I can't sugarcoat it the first night was horrible because we just we had no idea um, and we just basically spent the whole night like looking making sure she's still there and she's okay and is the temperature right and she keeps um freeing her arms and you know that it's like oh well we gotta rewrap her and just you're just trying to do everything you can to make it perfect 
I just remember that the icing on the cake was that Annika had had a bad dream that one of the dogs was under the bed choking on Elisa's dummy and she woke up going, oh my God, oh my God, she's choking. I've leaned under the bed, ripped the dog out from under the bed, stuck my hand down its throat. It was obviously sound asleep, had no idea what was going on and then it gets a fist down its throat. And I just remember like, it was just so like emotional and we were just, we were both in tears. How stressful that night was. I'm sorry, that bit's not funny. It was, it's funny now, but it wasn't then. It was a long night. Good times. (laughs) Okay. Any words of wisdom, big takeaway messages, if any of your friends that don't have kids now came to you and said, Sam, what do I need to know? Any Hmm. advice? I was given the advice from friends and colleagues at work that it all said that it doesn't matter how stressed out you are about it all, she's more stressed out. And um, there's a lot of people I work with that have been impacted by postnatal depression and they'd said, you know, you might get it and she might get it, you both might get it, you just need to... Um, be with each other and put up with each other and listen to each other and just do everything you can to make things as comfortable as you can for her because it's it's a yeah a huge change in your your life and your body and everything you know it's just so many waves of emotions and physical changes that the mind might not be able to handle it um, so I just sort of had that in the back of my head all the time. Um, fortunately, I don't think we sort of had anything like that. But we just, I think we were just there for each other throughout that first few months because we were both very sleep deprived. Um, and it was as difficult as it was. I think it was one of the, the biggest Um, moments of strengthening in our relationship that I've ever had because we endured it all together and the results speak for themselves now we've got a really happy healthy smart Alec beautiful girl you're gonna make me cry and (laughs) smart Alec (laughs) she's a ripper thank you so much Sam Mm. Is there anything else you want to add? Or you're done? Finish your beer now? Just do it. Just do it. If you're thinking about it, you'll make good parents. I'm sure you will. And um, see my mate Samantha here. And she'll be able to help you out along the way. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this story from the birth suite. Thank you so much for listening along. If you want to support the podcast, please subscribe or leave a review. And if you'd like to follow me on social media, it's at sam.zig.birthsuite. See you next time.